Welcome to the show. My name is Alex. And I'm Lizzie. I'm here. And you are here, and so are we. And today, this is What is From Cast, a cast dedicated to the MGM Plus show from. And we are on a roll because we are talking episode five, season two, Lullaby. And we have been chomping at the bit to not go to go ahead because it is getting pretty juicy. What do you think there, Lizzie? It is so painful. You know what, Alex? I made a vow to you that I would not go ahead until we podcasted. And the first thing I'm going to do is watch episode six. Absolutely. As soon as we're done. And so, you know, hey, it was nice. Let's all see you. <laughs> I know, right? We, we, I know. Show's over. We're out. Episode no. five was great, as usual. Um, I'm out. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it, it was a really good episode. I mean, I know it seems like we're giving fan service, but there hasn't been a bad one in the in the bunch. And no, Yeah, because I don't know. I think... I don't know if we're bringing with us like walking dead fans that are coming over where you knew there were like filler episodes. Yeah. I just don't see this as that type of show where it's a filler episode. I feel like not. I feel like I see that every frame is meaningful and advances the story, even though you don't realize it at the time. And to say that it's a filler episode, I mean, no disrespect, but I just feel like you're just not being patient enough. Well, I think I think this particular episode did move the story a little bit further with some oh, yeah. characters and other characters, you know, eh. But what, what was your first thoughts of the episode? I, I I think it's the same with all the episodes. I just want to go back and rewatch it again. Yeah. Um, the thing that kind of gets me, I'm a little bummed out about, more than a little bummed out about this, is that, um, you know, overall, like, if I don't do something when I'm thinking about it, um, I'll forget. And last night when I was doing my notes for this, and I, you know, I watch the episode, I watch it twice and then I write. And so last night I watched the episode. And then when I started writing, something was coming out to me. And I was like, I need to pull out this character, this character, and this character. And then you and I went and did that podcast last night, which at the moment, the name is escaping me, but we were telling ghost stories. It's a, it's a, it's a fandom thing. Oh, it's a podcast. And I have to say, Aaron, Aaron, you know, I have to actually do this. Oh, yeah. Aaron does a great job. Um, You know, she also doesn't podcast on the show as much as she just does celebrity interviews to because it's a hot show. And she was nice enough to put us on towards the end talking about ghost stories. And Uh we, I, 
I had a ball. You guys scared the crap out of me. And it was Alex, I want to tell you a ghost story. Yeah. Okay. And that's the show, folks, because I am not. So this is a quick one, sort of. All right. But I just, I wanted to tell it last night. Are you going to cry? I don't want to hear a ghost story, but okay. No, I don't want to terrify you. This one might freak you out. Well, I don't need freaking out. You know what? That'll be in the show notes and that'll be in the, uh, yeah, it'll be in the, I don't know what, but it's going to be somewhere. You know what? I have an idea. At the very end of the show, you walk away for a minute. I will tell the story and then you come back. That's okay. I, I think that um, I'm going to end up hearing the story anyways. Not so if it's because you, you don't need to. I edit the show. Oh, just fast forward to me. <laughs> but um, I won't tell the story. I won't tell. I don't want to okay. freak up because, like, that's okay. But, but you know what, though? I do want to say this before we uh, we do get started is um, we started a, a subscriber wall. And we have Sam from Boston, and I want to just shout him out. I know, Sam, out. you're from Boston. You're a masshole like me. Exactly. And he pledged his, uh, I guess, support, if you want to call that, what oh, we are doing is. here. Yeah. And he's part of, he's part of our uh, frumily, so to speak, here on the podcast. And I just can't thank you enough. And, folks, if you guys are uh, – if you like the podcast and you want to give us a review, that's great. If you want to subscribe to us on YouTube or if you want to um, help the show out to pay for all this wonderfulness, um, that would be great as well. So, Sam, thank you so much. And um, hopefully you'll get home before the bell rings because <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want any monsters getting to you. Yeah. But that said, I, I did want to I did want to start um, in the show. And I wanted to talk about the thing that we were talking about all week, which is what is going to happen to Randall. Yeah. And it yeah. was without a doubt, hands down, one of the best scenes in the whole entire series. I call it Saturday Night Live starring Randall because yeah. that son of a gun didn't doesn't take crap from anybody and I think these monsters have met his match. And I, I don't know. Meaning this. No, meaning this. Yeah. In this sense, the survivors are starting to get a lot more aggressive because they're a lot more comfortable with the rules of the monsters. And we saw it in Fatima. She lost her stuff. Yeah. We, we've seen it a couple of times. And He's in the bus. The old lady is at the door. He's just about to open up the door and he stops. Yeah. And they could not. It, the best part was all the monsters could not have been any better because they didn't lose yeah. character. I mean, they were all, you know, they were just calm yeah. and whatever. And they're this, 60. this is part of their game, though. No, I know that. Yeah. And he is just like, you know, screw you. I got the rock. I got yeah. the rock. Yeah. You can't do anything. And then they, yeah. were, and then they start walking away. He's like, you don't walk away from me. You don't walk away from me. And, and they realize that he, he's no fun. He can't, they can't. Play no, that's the not it. That's not what they're realizing at all. What? They are thrilled. They're thrilled. This is the game. This is them playing with him. 
because instead of being like, oh my God, oh my God, and cowering on the floor and listening to them, notice like they're out there and, you know, Nana's tapping on the window and the whole thing, they're taunting him. So he's laying on the floor and finally he gets to a point where he's had enough. So he gets up there, he puts on his shield, which is I'm badass Randall. And he goes up and he's like, you don't scare me. You don't scare me. Like, I'm bigger than you. I'm badder than you. Blah, blah, blah. They're all looking at him. One of them's humming Frere Jogka, right? Nana is just like, I will make you milk and cookies. And the nurse is like, bye. You know, like they, and you know, the mechanic is waving. Oh, I know. It was so crazy. The groom is there. So we got Nana groom, mechanic, waitress. The the nurse. Right. And the milkman, they're all looking at him smiling. And the thing was like, I was, I was thinking about this. Like, what did Kelly say? They want to play with me. They told me they were going to play with me. They're playing with him. They're toying with him, right? They didn't cower. He didn't cower. But the thing is, Randall is not all that tough. Well, he is all bravado. Well, one of the things that that Kenny said last season, which is really, I think, the, the best thing about the monsters, it's like playing chess. Yeah. They're just waiting for him to have a have a moment of weakness and then they're going to stomp all over them. But yeah. regardless of that, it was the great scene. And I love that. Really it totally was like the second he steps out of that bus, he ain't going to be so tough. Oh yeah. No, no. You know? But like, you know, him coming up and fronting like that, that just eggs them on more because well, if they really wanted him, they would have stayed at the bus. They would have shook in the bus. They would have done all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Like, like they did with Boyd. They like yeah. they did with Boyd and and in the first episode when they were in the when they were in the um uh RV. But what yeah. I, I I just want to jump ahead just to his storyline because it, it, it was hysterical. All yeah. hell is breaking loose in from land. Boyd it's walks always, yeah. No, but Boyd walks by and what does he see? He sees Randall lifting a chair up up to the top of the yeah. roof so he yeah. can like, you know, roast some wieners and have a yeah. nice view. So I yeah. love the fact that he's embracing his hotel on wheels. And Yeah. I, I, I mean, he's making the most of it and he wants to be. The thing is, I don't think that he wants to be alone. No. This is the corner he always paints himself into. And the the thing that we saw, you know, with the monsters makes me really feel like that is Sarah's ex-boyfriend. It really makes me feel. I I, I don't know. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but that would be the kind of guy that she'd be running away from that. Nathan would have had to come save her from. Absolutely. No, no. I mean, he would pick someone he knew was weaker than him. And the thing about that whole storyline is it is pretty funny, though, that everybody doesn't know that Sarah is back. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. let's 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 just get into that, if you don't mind. Um, Unless, unless where did, you, did you want to get uh, this there? Well, since we were talking about Randall, I just want to make sure. Um, 
I mean, his storyline really is a is really. I mean, separate. it's a quick one. Like, it's just two things. Like, that's what I mean. It's like if you notice when when Donna even brought him there, like he's used to people backing down to him. Like the guy that he beats for going through his stuff, that guy right. doesn't rise up and get in his face, right? right? But Donna gets right in his face. Like if someone goes head to head, he'll fight. He won't back down. But he he did back down to Donna. Well, she, like, he said to her, he said to her, "Are you done waving? Are you done uh, swinging your dick?" Yeah, but the thing was, he backed down to her when he stayed in the bus. Right. He knew he couldn't go back up to that house. Right. He had nowhere else to go. Yeah. So he responds to strength. Right. But, and he was just like, fine, you know what? I've been here before. I'll make the most of it. I'm always being put out. That's, that's, you know, his self-protecting attitude. Um, all right. So where did you want to go? I was thinking I, Boyd. Or oh. did you want to go to Sarah? I mean, it, it I, I would rather just go to Sarah and. Okay. Okay, so the the news is the new, and this kind of relates to Boyd too. So the news is out, um, and after that we get Tabitha and um, Jim. There's storm in the castle in this case, or the storm in the church, and Boyd is there, and and all hell's breaking loose because Tabitha has beef, Jim has beef, and then Boyd is just trying to you know keep everything. Well, yeah, and no one's happy that this girl is back in town not even her not even her yeah exactly like you know she's resigned to going in the box she's not fighting anything she doesn't fight any ill treatment i i don't know if she's will i, I don't know if that's the case and i think it is the case but i think that there's also something else uh -huh. is that going back to what ethan said she did what she was there to do now she's done yeah yeah. So, and so that you can you can package that. Yeah, yeah, she's 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 not a monster anymore. She did what she had to do, and now she's done, and now she needs to exit stage left. Yeah. The only person that doesn't realize that is Boyd. Um, but I think Boyd had a really fun, funny conversation with the Matthews because they're talking about Sarah and you know putting her in the box, and he's like, "Wait a second here, some guy." put a friggin' tower on Colony House to call home. Now, I went for I went into the wilderness, and everybody's looking for me for answers. And he's like, we got a lot going on here, so dealing with her is like priority 10 on a list of priorities that are a lot bigger than her. And I just thought that was an interesting conversation that he had. Because... Yeah. He's kind of right in certain ways. You know, the murderer is kind of secondary to all the shit that's going down. Well, he's he's spending time protecting her, you know, um, and the Matthews have, you know, a real concern with this girl being back in town. She killed four people or, you know, like she killed four people and it was almost five. She was going to kill Ethan. Right. And they've already lost one child, you know, and they're stuck in this godforsaken place. Like, you know, uh, they, they are understandably very upset. And it makes me wonder what they would have done if Sarah was in the church by herself versus Boyd being there. I think Jim 
is the voice of reason where Tabitha is just mother, mama bear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, okay. makes I have sense. a, I have a, I have a silly question about her. Yeah. Uh, I should say the Matthews family. So Tabitha has clearly a thick Spanish accent. I don't hear it. Well, I mean, I hear it a little. Yeah. Why don't the kids have, I mean, and I know this is like a little thing. If Jim doesn't speak Spanish, they're not going to grow up. Okay. You know? All right. Thank you for clearing that fire. It's just, it's one of those things like I was like thinking about, I was watching, I'm like, shouldn't they have some kind of like. Well, but there's no purpose. There hasn't been a purpose. But the thing about it is that um, I had a Puerto Rican um, sister-in-law. With both of her children, she would speak Spanish and English with them, you know, from the beginning. Right, right, right. Dad did not speak Spanish. So unless a parent is doing that and reinforcing that language all okay. the time. But then also some some families, when they arrive in the U.S. and English is the spoken language, they're trying to assimilate. So no, they, and that's what happened to my family. My family, yeah. fourth generation, were Americans, no no Arabic, no nothing. We were just all Americans. Totally yeah. get that. It was just one of those things like in the back of my mind. It, it just like kind of hit there. Um Yeah, so, no, that's that's cool. Yeah. So so Sarah, they have that moment and then everybody leaves, and then Sarah decides to take a little walk around the town and she goes back to her old house. And I thought this was really strange. This whole scene was like really bizarre to me. I mean, not that much time has passed. Okay, they replaced they replaced the house with I mean new people, you know. Okay, fine. Yeah, cuz I I like at first I'm like they have an empty house with all these people. Well, okay, fine. No. So she takes the jacket. And I I just think it was a little much. What was the deal with the jacket? I mean, it was Nathan's like, jacket. Insist- I know, but they were insistent. I know. He did not have that jacket. And the only thing I can think of was that it was a territorial, you're a murderer, get out of the house type but of thing. It was like, dude, I was here like a week ago. Yeah, You, you haven't yeah. been here like a day. Yeah. I, I but, just thought, but you know, you know how people get, you know. No, I know. I just, I just, I thought that that if there was a criticism in the whole entire show yeah. episode, it was like, lady, what is your deal? I love how the, the woman was like way more bulldog than the guy. Oh, I know. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you have to get out. You can't be here. That's we didn't want your jacket. stuff here. We gave it to the lady yeah. at the diner. Yeah. And she's like, get the fuck out of my house. I know. She, and she was just like, just walks over, grabs the, the jacket. And Sarah's like, all right, I'm out. But And I love how Sarah's like, wait a minute. Did you happen to see this ornament? <laughs> like stops to ask about that. I'm like, Sarah, they're not going to tell you anything. They just want you out of the house. They, yeah, they that was a- are not a. So get I, I mean, I, I understand why they put it in there to kind of show that everybody's against her, but that was a little too much. Um, I it, it it did kind of go on. I it, the only thing that really didn't. I wish it was a faster paced kind of thing, but the jacket thing was weird. 
Okay, I, I thought it was me, and I'm like, no, no, the jacket thing was weird. I could see why she would want it because Nathan had just been wearing it, you know, and not that much time has passed. His smell could still be in it. Um, you know, he arrived with that, and you know, this place is just very communal. And it was I the town. That- it wasn't Colony House. That's why I was even yeah. more upset about it. Yeah, no, I know. And the other thing is, I was like, with 22 more people landing in that town, only two people are in that house. And then I was thinking, wow, this house looks just like the Matthews house with the front porch and you walk in and, you know, a parlor and the dining table. And I was just thinking, I'm like, you know what? This was some kind of factory town. That's because... You know, because yeah. being in the Northeast, everything was very factory mill driven for a long time. And well, Hershey, Hershey, when we went to took the, took the Hershey tour, yeah, you know, Mister Hershey basically bought a plot of land, but made a bunch of houses, and then built a factory around it. Right, they were all cookie exactly. cutter. Yeah, and it's the same floor plan over and over and over again. You know, like up a, up in Massachusetts, like in the Boston area. You know, all around there, you have the triple deckers and it's three apartments. Sometimes the top two floors are joined and then you have a space to rent out on the bottom. But it's three apartments, the triple deckers all up in like, you know, like I grew up in Brockton. You know, we had tons of them. You know, Brockton was the shoe city. That was the shoe capital of the world at one point. Um, So. Um, and actually they Brockton was a big supplier of union boots during the civil war. Okay. Anyway, there you go. There's your little history thing. So, so the next thing that happens doesn't really relate to Sarah, so to speak, but it, it's related to Sarah. Tabitha's talking to, to Ethan, right? Oh, I thought we were just going to finish. Whatever. Well, no, I wanted to, because it kind of relates to Sarah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and I'm going to get back to that conversation in just a second. And, you know, he says to her, he says to his mom, you know, you have to fair, you have to face the scary things. That's how you take their power away. Yeah. And because he wanted to go see Sarah. Right. And, and they're having this whole conversation. And, you know, beforehand, she thinks you're crazy and whatever. So next thing you know, long story. Um they have that conversation right yeah and and then and then ethan you know in only the way simon slash ethan can do says only monsters live in the woods you must be a monster you you said they said you were dead but you weren't you lived in the woods and you know basically i don't like you <laughs> get away and yeah. in a, in a, well, in a i'm kid's not afraid way. of you i'm not, I'm not afraid, afraid of you, of you and yeah. you know i i love i love when uh jim comes back and talks to Tab to Tabitha. You know the Kramanakal saves us again. You know words of wisdom from the Kramanakal. Yeah, and I, I just I just love that. Um, so right now, Sarah, no matter where she goes, she's hitting a wall. Well, yeah, I mean she's she was essentially two faced, you know, and putting out this sweet and gentle thing but in the background doing all these bad things 
you know, which later on, you know, Victor says to Jade, they make you do bad things. This place makes you do bad things, which is what happened to Sarah. Sarah didn't want to do that. Right. No, no, no. I mean, she was definitely had a, you know, gun to her head, so to speak. Then she's at the church and her and Elgin have a little conversation. Yeah. And, and I think that that was kind of a, you know, it was a nice illuminating. Yeah. I mean, they're all there for a reason and you have, you can't, you can't keep beating on Sarah. You got to give her something. Yeah. And, and, And I mean, what was your thoughts on that conversation? Well, it was interesting that Elgin came in there because there's something up with Elgin with him having the dream. Somehow he's been touched. And so she's been touched by this place. So he comes in and he's looking for a church. He's looking for some comfort of some sort by going to something he knows and understands because he would ride the bus, which is why he was on the bus. He would ride the bus to see his grandmother so that they could go to church every weekend. And he went with his grandmother every weekend. And he finds out from Sarah that she's only been there a couple months. So everything that's happened to her has happened fairly quickly and fairly quickly to, to Nathan also, you know, he, he was outie. Um, and at first he flirts with her, you know, like I haven't seen you around colony house and you're someone I would remember seeing, you know? Um, and so he starts, they start chit chatting and, she tells him, you know, like he tells her about these owls that his grandmother used to make and how, why couldn't they make another animal, but it always had to be owls. And then this brings in the chit chat about the ornament and how her and Nathan would go and buy these ornaments and they would paint these ornaments. She never says what happens to all of them, but she does say that Nathan ends up having just one. And if he was going to rescue her from this awful situation she was in, why was he carrying that ornament around with him? And just FYI, that snowman ornament looked an awful lot like the two snowman ornaments I was talking about last night in the ghost stories. Um, But anyway, (laughs) but anyway, so they're talking about that. And it's weird. He asks about the ornament, but he never asks about Nathan because he's like zeroing in trying to figure out if he can pick up the hottie. That's what I got, you know, and then she ends up telling him that she killed Nathan and that he's going to hear all about it, you know, from everybody else. Um, And he gets up and it's like he leaves this Elgin shaped hole in the door as he's like getting out of there. He's like, check. Look at the time. Got to go. Got to go. And so then Sarah decides she's got to pay the piper and she's got to go get her, you know, go get her, get her stuff. Um, I think, I don't know if it's paying the piper. I think it's just, it doesn't matter. She knows she's going to be meeting with resistance. Um, like, it, I mean, she could have been hurt. Right. You know, she could have been hurt going into town amongst everybody. And as she's walking, like, people are looking at her. 
and she gets up to the diner and she's standing there and Kenny comes out of the diner and she goes into the diner. Right. They don't see each other. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully he doesn't see her, but Mrs. Lou sees her and it's heartbreaking. It's oh, this so was a great scene. I know. Um, and you know, just to point out, you know, this is Liz Moy's first acting job, like first acting job. And she kills it. You know, like she tells Sarah, you know, I, I took care of you and you took him from me. Well, I have this quote right there. You take from me, you take him from me. Yeah. That's exactly what she says. Yeah. And she said, you put hate in me. And Kenny has already said, you know, like my mom was pretty easygoing, you know, like a loving person. Now she's crying every night. And Sarah did that to them, you know, and she brings the box of stuff because she knows that's what Sarah's there for is the box of stuff. Um, I mean, Sarah, it does not look like she's on an apology tour. Like, she's not like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She's just like, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I've done this. I just want this ornament. And what I feel like is she just wants the ornament to take into the box with her. Right. She goes, you know. Um, and she encounters Kenny outside of the diner. And the can, thing Can that we notice something about Kenny? One is he's not wearing his normal outfit. He's wearing jeans and a white shirt. Yeah. And his jeans fit. I didn't even notice because I was looking at the gun. Yeah, no, I, I looked at those those pants and those pants were, fit. they fit. <laughs> so only when he's a police officer or a deputy, he has pants that don't fit. That's interesting because he could have worn jeans. I mean, that's what, unless Mrs. Lou was like, you need to look like an officer, you know, but. Uh, and she was probably proud of him and, and the whole thing. But, like, I was like, wait a minute. He's not the deputy anymore, but he's still carrying around a gun. And the gun is only useful on other people and not the monsters. So I, I don't, I don't, you know, what's the point unless it's some kind of security blanket type thing for him? Um but he's he's a mess, you know? Oh, one thing about Mrs. Lou, when she goes in the back after she's given Sarah the, the box and she knocks over all the pans, did she notice? Did you notice she did not knock over that tea kettle? It's because she's ready to drug everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, she just made up a fresh batch. A fresh <laughs> batch of, of, of sunshine for everybody to be... And, and, you know, I was looking for something last night before I went to bed because I needed I was trying to go back to these characters I wanted to break out. And I was like, my memory will get jogged. Right. So I'm like fast forwarding through <laughs> the first um, four episodes. And there's Kenny taking everyone into the bus station. Come on in. Not the bus station, the diner. Come on in. We'll get you some tea. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I know. I, I, I know. We have no pull on this show whatsoever. But yeah. if they could even mock that storyline for like a line, <laughs> it would minute. make it would make so many people so happy. 
it would make me happy. But it, it, I swear it, to God, would every say, time they mention it, I'm happy. Well, no, I'm just saying it would be great if they just said it's not like Mrs. Chen was drugging everybody. You know what I mean? Like, like in the middle of like one of those serious type of conversations. <laughs> I know. I just I don't know, but I I made a note of that because I wanted to um sh- to mention it. But I, I'm telling I you, mean, we're even, all over the chens between the, I mean, the the tea and the and the pants. Yeah, tea and chen. Um, the thing about it is that she's so mild mannered. She's so soft and gentle. For her to do that with those pans, it's remarkable that. What it goes back to, you know, Boyd being worried that if he tells Kenny the truth about his dad and about Sarah, that Kenny will be broken. It's not just Kenny that's broken now. It's Kenny and his mom, Tian Chen. So um, that that's scary, you know, because they are broken. Um, meanwhile, you know, Ethan's not broken. He has just taken on, you know, like I just took on a monster and you don't scare me. And that is the job of the Cromenacle is to be like, you don't scare me to break that down and, and take away that power. So Kenny dumps her box and goes right for the ornament because she picks it up. She was like, trying to get it. Yeah. She picks it up. She picks up the most cherished item out of that box. And Kenny sees that and takes it from her and smashes it. I don't think that he felt any better about it. He did let off some steam, but she was broken by that. That I thought it was interesting. Like if you're a new person on that bus and you see Kenny loses crap like that, what the hell's going on in this place? Yeah, but, but you don't know him like no, but that may, that's my point. No, that's my point. It's like this guy was the deputy, now he's not, and now he's now he's breaking crap from some lady that murdered somebody. Suppose I mean it, it, it's just like that's too much. Like, what yeah. is going on in this place? I mean, I knew it was bad, but yeah, I know. Like I, I mean, you've just landed there the day before and you're seeing all this stuff going on. Um it's too it is it's a lot like trying to figure that out um but what i want to i noticed something kind of interesting like i've done background work and i've had props and stuff handed to me and that sort of thing so in the background at the diner um there is this couple standing there and the guy has a salad spinner they're getting ready. They they're going into the diner, but he's holding a salad spinner. <laughs> it was like that is a weird thing to hold. And I was like, all right, I am gonna make a note of it because supposedly everything means something, but I don't know if that salad spinner does. I know exactly what it means. What? The lunchtime? <laughs> that they have salad salad at in Frontline. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I just was like, <laughs> it just kind of cracked me up when I saw this. No, I get it. I totally get it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm uh, all for everything having a meeting, but that's a little much. Yeah. Uh, so then Elgin, who made the Elgin shaped hole in the door at the church to get away, comes over and helps her. And I, 
I don't think that's Elgin flirting with her at all. I just think that that's Elgin being a nice guy. It's just Elgin being Elgin. Yeah. So um, he helps her and, and she, you know, and so they just pile everything in. And the weird thing was, I don't know what she did with that box because when she's walking by Ethan, she's not holding that box. I don't know what she no, did. No, because that was before. That was before. What do you mean before? No, it's at the end of the episode. She's walking by Ethan. They've already had a conversation. It's at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. And then he gives her the stinky eye. Yeah. yeah. He gives her the stink eye. I love that little face. But I, the weird thing is, it, it. I mean, we'll talk about this. I think we need to talk about that whole montage. Um, let's save it. But anyway. Um, can we go through Boyd? Sure. Where do you want to go? I'm just going to start from the beginning. So um, the first thing that happens is the Matthews come in, right? Boyd is super pissed. I mean, you know, the Matthews say their piece and they go on their way. But I think this is a later, or this is a, I can't remember when this conversation takes place. But it's a conversation between, it's not the, conversation between Jim and Boyd outside. So it must have been in the church. Boyd is super pissed because Jim, you know, getting everyone excited about that radio. Yeah, yeah, I said that. I said that yeah, in the beginning. Know, yeah. Know, but let me go through this. Everyone getting excited about the radio, thinking they're gonna go home, put the pressure on him because he made a big show of leaving so he could find answers and he's come back without answers but with um, Sarah. So he's not doing so well, but he's also saying, I come back with no answers. There's 22 more people that I have to worry about and we don't have the resources. Oh, wait, by the way, I got a fucking house that fell in inside for fell into itself for no reason. Yeah, that was next. The Matthews house fell for no reason. <laughs> And he just wants to keep Sarah to help him. Right. And then the question is, and I'm going to put this all over with Jim. When Jim comes up at the end of the episode to talk to Boyd, because, you know, Boyd kind of unleashes, but they don't, they just say their piece to, to Sarah and they're on their way. But Jim comes up because they're soured. But Jim comes up to Boyd and he says, when I looked at Sarah, I didn't see a killer. Right. I saw a broken kid. And what happens to broken people? They don't make it here. And Sarah is ready to go into the box. I mean, I'm surprised Sarah just hasn't walked into the woods and just left it at that. Maybe that's next episode. I don't know. But I think she kind of needs that satisfaction of going into the box. I, I do. Punishment. During that same conversation, he says something else. And I have it posted. You know, they push you to the edge. Maybe that's the point. 
And yeah, because the thing that he delves into next is he starts telling him about what happened with the radio, because in the earlier question, uh, conversation, he doesn't have a chance to interject. He do, He's not going to have that conversation for whatever reason in front of um, Tabitha. But he tells him that not only him, but Donna heard a voice on the radio as well. And it wasn't just that they heard the voice. The voice knew who he was, called him by name, and also knew what his wife was doing in the basement of the house. So Boyd is just looking at him like, I don't know what to make of all this. But then Tim mentions he's like, you know, to that point, Maybe the point is for everyone to be pushed to their edge, right? Because as going as far back as World War II, they did experiments on this. And I know like post-World War II, at the beginning of the Cold War, I lost an uncle who was in the service at the time to nuclear tests out in the Atoll Islands. You know, he came home, like he got discharged right after that. And they sent him home, you know, he got discharged from medical leave and he died driving his car, going to the movies with two friends, just died at the wheel. My aunt was supposed to be in the car with him, um, but got a date at the last minute. So went on the date, but died from radiation poisoning. He was fine walking around, going to the movies and just died. So there were experiments going on people like the LSD you know, the ultra experiments, right? Right, right, right. So at any rate, at any rate, um, the going back to these, he mentions that and he just says, the one thing I know is we have got to start working together. Remember, God, I know. Remember, we just had this conversation like Fatima mentions to Elgin, hey, we sat around, we've sat around and, and, tried to figure this out, but we've never seen it. And I think I can understand not wanting to spend the screen time on it, but they can do it and bring out important points, you know? So that is it. Um, The, you know, as far as that conversation that concludes his time with the Matthews, But let's talk about Donna, because after the Matthews come into the church and confront Sarah, Boyd puts on his jacket. He's on duty. And he says, I've got to get up and and tell Donna, I've got to be the one that tells her that you are back. And he goes up to talk to Donna. And I love Donna's room a lot. And I'm looking at this house, right? Here we have all the factory houses in the town. And I think we've talked about this house before, that the house on the hill belongs to the boss. Right. Because they look down at the workers, right? And it's a house that clearly hasn't been updated in a while. So I love Donna's room. I love Donna, period. And the more people that reach out to me about this show... She is their number one. Mm-hmm. She is just their number one. Well, anyway, she 
the, what I love is that she's no nonsense. She gets right to the point. She's like, it was your rule that if there was killing or some kind of infraction, serious infraction, people go into the box and this girl is not in the box. And she says, you have taken away the one thing people have, which they need, is faith in you. And yes, you went out in the woods for answers, but came back with a psychopath. And you betrayed faith in Boyd. You know, you betrayed yeah. faith in Boyd. And, yeah. and I think that there's a, by, there's a lot to bringing be... her back. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and this world, you know, knowledge is power, just like everywhere else. And right now, uh, you know, the perception is Boyd is unraveled. And he's the one person that can't be unraveled even though he's the most unraveled. I know he, and the, and she brings up an interesting point. And I think he was definitely going to be one of my characters that I wanted to pull out. She says to him, I don't think you went into the woods for answers. This is all about Abby. Which it, it does make some sense because Boyd is one of those people that believes he takes care of people, right? He's Mr. Fishes and Loaves, right? You don't become Mr. Fishes and Loaves because you don't give a shit about other people. It's because you want to provide for people. And, you know, she, she speaks to him quite point blankly and says, you didn't take care of her. And you're carrying that guilt. Not only did you kill her, but because you didn't take care of her prior to that point, you are more responsible or responsible for more than just killing her. You let her down. Right. You brought her to that point. And then it just makes me, it put me back in the hole with Martin and who threw the rope. It just, because like the second Boyd is done with Martin, he's outside. Like we don't see him really walking through a door. No, he's, he's just, just outside. There. Right? It just makes me think that none of that was real. That it was all in Boyd's head. And then here he is, like he's manifested two situations. He's manifested Martin and he's manifested Katri. I don't have an endpoint for this right now. I am just talking about this. No, I get it. I mean, there's 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 definitely some reflection that we have to kind of look at when you see the whole season and do that rewatch and kind of say, okay, this is what we know from the whole season. How does that relate? Cause you know, I, I was watching um, when we interviewed Sean, I went back to book 74, 73. Um, and no, it was book 74. Okay. Um, I was like, wait a minute, 73. <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> but my point being is, you know, there's little Easter eggs in there that are, definitely worth looking at now that you've seen what we've seen so far. Yeah. You can look at it at a different lens, which is great. So I really, yeah. you know, and what we're doing just so you, 
the listeners know is um, I'm starting to put a lot of it, the older episodes on YouTube. So I've put the first couple episodes by the time this is our episodes. Our yeah. podcast episodes, yeah. Yeah, our podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought I said that. Our podcast episodes. So we're by the end of by the end of the season, both one and two will be up on YouTube as well as the podcast feed. And I gotta tell you, on a side note, people are people are eating it up. I mean, in terms of they're watching it, they're viewing it. So there is a lot of interest in that first season that first episode and it's great because there are a lot of Easter eggs in this whole show. Yeah. Um, Um, yeah. Are are you done with Boyd or do you want to get to Victor? I'm almost, I'm almost there. Um, I'm just, you know, like (sighs) she says to him, I'm not going to, I'm not going to support you on this Sarah thing. You're in this alone, you know, but she, but then at the end of that conversation, he's saying, do I have your support? And she's like, not really answering, but she's like, you need to go talk to Chan Chen. Yeah. What did she, what did she say when you, when you told her she was back? That's yeah. exactly what she said. Yeah. She's like, what did Tian Chen say uh, when you told her that she was back? Well, yeah. no, exactly. Why don't you go see her and then we'll, then we can talk. Yeah. And, and that's why and I put it there. But that's no, but that's clear. why I put in there is Boyd talking to Donna or is, is Donna telling Boyd? Because the well, fact is like Donna telling anybody. No, I think Donna was telling him. I think he, he was getting a, he was getting a listening to because she was he, pissed. She yeah. was she was pissed because he didn't make decisions in her eyes. And he's handled this whole Sarah thing wrong. He has like the fact that. I mean, it was a secret between him and Katri. Katri's dead. And, and she, I love how they throw that. Him. He's dead now. I know. That's bullshit, though. What? No, Donna said that, too. And Katri said that in his dream. Well, I'm dead now. Don't don't go over the dead. Well, it kind of relates to what's going on here. Well, he, didn't, he did not make the decision alone. That's the point. He right. made the decision with Katri. Katri was the first one to keep a secret. To keep the secret that Sarah, he had Sarah, you know, and then he, he went to Boyd and said, you know, this is why she, we need to keep her here because she has a line of communication, you know? Um, And the thing about it, I think Donna is also seeing Boyd unraveling a little bit and it's almost a, he said, he said, because Katri's not there to back him up, you know. Well, so, also Donna's in a better place than she was last episode. She was on the yeah. she was on the unraveling block, and now it's Boyd who's on the unraveling block. Yeah. All right. So yeah, let's switch over to Jade and Victor. Um, which I love. I love this pairing because. Some people would say see Victor as broken, but he's not. Victor has an intellect and an experience that other characters don't have because of the length of time that he's been there. And Victor, this is the most vulnerable that we've seen Victor. 
and he's exposing himself to Jade, who can be so cruel at times because Jade doesn't know how he has no filter. He has no filter. He, he doesn't, he just reacts sometimes without thinking what, who he's talking to, you know, but Jade is also losing his mind. Okay. So we open Jade has now moved into the bar, which makes him happy because he's the only one there. (laughs) <laughs> and the bar is closed down, right? Well, yeah, uh, after last Tom night. is dead. <laughs> and plus he drank all the booze. So. <laughs> well, he's drinking it, you know, unless other people come in and grab some, he's drinking it. Um, and I just, you know, I guess I figured Tom was living in the bar, but I just didn't think about Tom having a bed there. It looks like a cozy little place to be anyway. So he he's sleeping at the bar. And he can hear the screeching outside, which is the nightly thing, right? Because Randall's hearing the same screeching in the bus. And he looks at the picture that has the guy with Victor in the background. Yeah, holding the book. And then all of a sudden, the guy holding the book is standing in front of him. And then blood comes out of the pages. Well, yeah. And it, it's weird because every time he sees that symbol... There's always blood associated with it. He doesn't just see the symbol. There's blood. So it's a matter of what is that trying to say? And and to the point where Jade decides to recreate it in empty bottles in the bar. And you know what that reminded me of? Because there's two... Close Encounter of the Third Kind references, I think, in this episode. Okay. One of them is the Roy Neary building the devil's thing, right? He's so fixated on this shape that he starts building it in bottles. Right. You know? And, and, you know, Roy Neary's so fixated that he drives his family out of the house and starts throwing crap from the outside into the house to build that devil's tower thing, you know? Um, and the blood, you know, it's just, there's always, always blood associated with that symbol. Right. It's never a good thing, but also things are washed in blood, almost like giving it a wash, a stop, an end. So... I don't know. It's just one of those things to put on the bulletin board. Um, so then, then Victor, Victor shows up. Yeah, Victor shows up and, and comments, you don't look so good. I love that. <laughs> you don't look so good, you know? Um, and he wants to make a deal with Jade. I want you to play this and I'll talk to you about the book. I'll tell you about the symbols, you know? And Jade's like, give me the violin. I'll play right now. And he's like, nope, got to go someplace. And, you know, Victor Victor went off on Jade about the violin. And he went off without thinking it was just an immediate reaction. Jade's always immediate reaction. And gosh, I, I... you know, after watching this episode, I mean, we were supposed to be able to interview David Alpay this last week. And for whatever reason, the schedule got changed. We didn't get to. 
But after watching this, it would be really nice to talk to the both of them at the same time to just right. talk about their interactions, um, you know, the character motivations and all of that um, during this episode. So, you know, Victor takes him to this car cemetery and, you know, I don't know if you paused it, but before they start talking, I'm like, I pause it because you can see really old cars way off. In right. The you know, and there there's like this barrier between those cars and then the cars up front. And all of those cars are like bleached out because mm-hmm. those cars were mostly painted black back in the day. Right. Right. I think it's only modern times with people fixing them up. Well, Henry Ford, you can have any color you want as long as it's black. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all, you know, late like early model cars, like thirties, forties, something like that. And Victor makes the comment, like there's even more of those cars behind that were there before I got there, before I brought all these out here. And can you imagine like Victor being, you know, little 12 year old Victor driving all the cars out there? Like, just like I couldn't stand to look at all those cars. And there was a lot of cars. Yeah. It was a lot. lot. A lot. Way more than the number of houses we uh, have been exposed to. Absolutely. Well, I, back then they didn't have the talismans, so they were all underground. Or hiding in the in the woods. No, no, no. But the thing was, when Victor got there, everyone was alive. I know. I'm saying. Yeah, but, they didn't. but the thing is, when d- the hunting started... At some point, because Victor was exposed to it with his mom. Maybe those were cars that had been driven in and stopped. And those were left from people that had been killed. Maybe that's why there's so many. I don't know. Um, let's see. Um, let's see. So the... Tr- in. This is the second time we get a remark from Victor about the trees. Yeah. He said, the trees are changing. It's strange. And and Jade is like, what do you mean? It's like they're just it's strange. He didn't he didn't explain yeah. why. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't. It was and it wasn't, of course, it wasn't a throwaway line. It was an observation. The trees, because like the last time Victor talked about the trees, he mentioned it to Ethan and he said they're moving. Right. And and right after that, like Victor, didn't Ethan come out of Colony House because he saw the boy in white and ran into Victor? And he was pacing, because, mm, measuring. He was measuring the trees. So he goes over to his mom's station wagon. Wasn't he standing in front of his mother's station wagon when that picture was taken? Like walking by. The Might station? have been. It was in front of the diner. So yeah, it could have been. Yeah. Okay, so, um, and he asks him to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Like, he doesn't even remember the name of the song. The star that, that twinkles, star. The star that twinkles, yeah. And so, Jade plays it. It's beautiful. Like, it's not just a simple version. It's... Well, no, what I love what I love about that is Jade, Jade understands the gravity of the situation. And he realizes, and he always knew it. I think we all knew it. 
he's not dealing with a 50-year-old man. He's dealing with a kid. And he I don't know that he does, but anyway. No, I think he does. No, I I I I think he does. He looked at him and he's like, All right. I mean, I'm imagining what what Jade is thinking. All right, this guy's getting all crazy about Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. We got a you know, Houston, we got a problem here. And and I think that I think that helped Jade to understand a little bit more about him because when right you're right and and i think that he could relate to that because of his past of being a bandit i mean because what was happening when we see jade at the very beginning he's soothing himself with alcohol he's soothing himself right and all victor wants because victor has been alone for like 30 some odd years without his mom to take care of him, right? To comfort him. He goes and gets on top of the car. And he sits like he always did when his mom would crisscross applesauce and and just listened and kind of rocked back and forth. Yeah. And comforted him. And after they were talking, they went away from the car because they went to Christopher's car, which you can talk about in a second. But when when Victor got rattled he held the car he, he yeah, put his hand around it, he was rattled because jade started yelling at him. no but i'm just saying though but my point but being he went is, back yeah he went back as a security blanket like that's that's home base yeah and then it, jade it just, oh god that hurt me so bad well they they end up going to christopher's car and and he was asking him about christopher and he said oh he was very he made people laugh he people did all these them. People liked him, and then all of a sudden he started changing, and he didn't say because he saw that that symbol. But what Victor did say that is important to this whole story is, it's we don't want to talk about this because when we start talking about it, bad things start happening. Yeah, he's yeah. Don't ask so many questions. While Victor was sitting on top of the car, just his face. just going like what it was just like that whole little scene with jade playing jade just goes to this peaceful place when he's playing like where everything is beautiful beautiful you can almost see the people waltzing right you know and he's at peace victor was at peace two characters that are under constant pain at peace. It was nice. But then I loved Victor just talking about Christopher through that whole thing, like who Christopher was and how Christopher changed and how Christopher, um, you know, started, you know, when Christopher's everyone started to die when Christopher saw the symbol it was the symbol something about that symbol started the killing and supposedly yeah so we don't know how long it was from christopher being obsessed with that symbol 
until the night his mom says, I need you to find a place to hide that Christopher doesn't know about. So it was like Christopher knew where people were and possibly was communicating that information to the monsters. So the monsters knew where to go. Find we think, people. we think, who knows? I mean, it's a, it's through an eyes of a well, 13 year No, but, I know. Like, this is what I'm trying to piece together. But she says to him, and why she doesn't go with Victor, I'm not exactly sure, but tells Victor to go hide someplace where no one knows, where Christopher doesn't know where it is. And he wakes up the next morning and absolutely everyone is dead. But why, what message did his mom, what information did his mom have about that coming night that she said that to him? Because we see the aftermath when Victor gets up that next morning and everyone is out on the street dead and he sees the boy in white for the first time. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's a good um, question. It's a good question to put on the board. Yeah. Um, and he says, this is when he says, there's bad things here. They make people do bad things, right. which points right back to Sarah, you know? And I just have like highlighted my question in red, you know, what must Jade be thinking when he sees this? Like, is he gonna go crazy? Is he and I'm like there, there's a whole bunch of stuff because he he said he's I'm going crazy, I can't sleep. Yeah, I gotta get I some answers. And I'm seeing things, and he's at the end of the rope. Like, because like he flips out and he does his jade screaming thing, which most people, not that they can just shake it off, but they're better equipped to shake it off. But this is like he rattles Victor so much that Victor, his response is to go grab onto his mom's car. You know, that's the blanket. And Jade realizes, like, I can't talk to him like this. They're both very sent, uh, uh, sensitive intelligence. You know, mm -hmm. they both have that in common. Victor is the institutional memory. Jade is putting the trying to put these pieces together. Jade's having visions. Jade is the new Christopher, possibly. Possibly, yeah. You know, because he's the one seeing those symbols. Um, all right. So I think the last thing we haven't talked about Christy and Marielle. We haven't talked about um I don't know. Do we need to talk about this? Because, like, about yeah, what? we need to talk about Tabitha. You oh, know? yeah. No, yes, we do. Um, let's talk about. No, let's get through Tabitha because uh, okay. then once we All do, because right. uh, I don't want to go back. So okay. while that while this whole conversation is happening with Victor, Tabitha decides that she wants to go bring her puzzle out to the opening of the woods where she saw the. Um, it's the cave opening that she yeah. and Victor escaped through and saw, like, the first time they saw that structure, that block structure, was inside the caves. Then there's another one outside the caves. And she, and we didn't realize, like, I didn't realize she had taken it from there. She didn't. I, she didn't take it from there. 
She took it from Ethan. Ethan had no, it. No, no, no. Like to begin with, I I think she took it from there and brought it home. No, she didn't. Ethan got it in the in in the closet. What closet? When he was looking through the toys, he's like, Mom, look at what I got. And he put it all together. He's like, I almost got this. And that's when she looked and she saw the two kids on the porch. Yeah. I just, it doesn't make sense because she brought it back and set it up. It wasn't like there was. She took it from the porch and brought it out to, out to. Yeah, I know. She brought it back. She brought it to the cave. When they came out of the cave, there was one there. Hey, I'm just telling you what. I know. Unless, 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 unless. There was just one there, and she it was broken down because they made a hit it, and she just redid it. I don't know, but anyway, no, the long in the, the sh- box and brought it back out there. It, 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 regardless of that, all right. But anyway, so she she sets it up, and then she says, "I'm here, I'm here," and then the, all of these kids start coming out of the and woods. they start saying this word, "ankui, ankui." I don't know what it means, but I don't either. And I looked it up and, you know, because it sounds like Ankh. Ankh is an Egyptian symbol, you know, but it's not spelled like that. And we only have this spelling from closed captioning. It doesn't right. mean that it's spelled correctly. But, and I didn't have time to go back and look at Ankhs. But at any rate, one thing that I concluded, because we've only seen the two girls, right? One of which looks like Chloe Savigny. <laughs> I was okay. like, but anyway, we've only seen the two girls, and it's the same two girls, right? Right. But here we have a collection of little kids, male and female. They're all in their pajamas. That's what I concluded. Because we had more of a sample than just two, they're all in their pajamas. And they descend upon her. Their eyes are black. One of them has red-rimmed eyes. And they're filthy. And they're touching her. And she's saying, don't touch me, don't touch me. And Jade shows up. And there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And he's looking at her like, like, what's your problem? And coming from the guy that's seeing blood every time he... Yeah, he's not... He doesn't... like perhaps in the next episode there's a conversation and no i did not go ahead so i don't know that's why i said perhaps in the next episode maybe they have a conversation about seeing things i don't think jade would be too shy about saying i'm seeing things i mean he told victor that but i don't think he'd be too shy about telling tabitha right all right so on to um, Christy and Marielle, which will allow me to go on to my last point. So they're having a lovely day in bed. Um, and Mrs. Uh, Christy brings Mrs. Lou bread crisps to um, have Marielle, right. um, you know, taste test them and they like them. And then Marielle, shows her the t-shirt that Sarah would always wear and she had not washed it um, since. And it went from having Mary uh, Christie's stink on it to having Marielle's stink on it. And so um, that she cuts her hair and after she finishes cutting the hair, what, what it was is the hairstyle that, 
uh, Chloe, the actress that plays Christy, Chloe has on the premiere because she did her bangs a special way. Right. And so this is, you know, this was the haircut she was rocking. So anyway, this is when Tilly comes in. I love Tilly. Tilly is raising red flags, major red flags for me. So do you remember Quincy MD? I do. Oh, no. Oh, I, I, God, I love that show. I love, no, no. I mean, I love the reference because it's yeah. such an old reference that you wouldn't, unless you're of a certain age, you wouldn't have known what it you was. You wouldn't have known. Yeah. So if you are probably, I would say the cutoff would be 50. If you are, how old are you? I'm 51. You're 51. I would say the kit, the cutoff would be 50 because I was like in my teens when I was watching this show. I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. It was Jack Klugman um, and he played um, a coroner or a medical, what do you call it? The medical yeah. examiner. Okay. You know, and he okay. would solve crimes. And I loved that show. And you know what? There's a station that plays it. <laughs> Then we could still watch it. So it's totally fitting that Tilly would come in and say, you are the resident Quincy. Right. And no, it was great. And, and so they're cutting each other's hair or whatever. She's cutting Christy's hair and Christy looks at the bottle and she's like, what do you have this for? Yeah. And she realizes yeah. that she has cancer. Yeah. And then she's like liquid morphine. And all of a sudden. Notice Mariel. Bing, 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 bing. Um, hmm. now I, I know you said in last, that last episode, you know, it wasn't just a throwaway episode. I yeah, mean, with, with her scene, throwaway you, scene. You know what though? I mean, okay, fine. But she is a nurse. So no, she is a nurse, but, and that's the thing. Like my whole thing was why, why did they use that scene? Cause it didn't seem to have any, any importance until you got to this episode. Right. No, I get it. I get it. I'm just so, saying it's just, it, but, it, a lot. Oh, unfortunately, with with the access to medicines, our healthcare workers often. Well, yeah, no. There's tons of addicts. nurses that are are drug addicts. I mean, and, look at Nurse Jackie. That right. show, you know. Um, but Tilly caught the look from Marielle, and this is why. I have red flags on well, Tilly. But see, the thing about Tilly is she told her, told Christy about Sarah. And the next thing you know, Sarah's, I mean, Christy's, Christy's running out. Yeah. Christy's and, out. and then we have, then we have that, that whole um, Christy guilt. Yeah. On two levels. Yeah. One is, am I still the same person that loves my fiance after being through this? And two, you know, the whole... I gave her the I, the permission, right, to and kill. The blade. Like I left a scalpel out, you know, and that's what she killed Nathan with. What she was going to kill Ethan with, but I felt bad because, I mean, we've all I think been asked a question like a moral question like that. What would you do? And a lot of times, like most of the times, it's just. You're just sitting around shooting the shit. Yeah, you don't know. Getting getting to know someone. And she was having a girls night with Sarah. You know, like they were just talking. Right. She didn't think that 
you know, cause like there's, there's Christy, what wouldn't I do to get back to Marielle? Right. right. No, no, absolutely. Um, um so, I, I, I love the last scene of the show. Wait a minute. Are you going ahead to candy colored clown? Yes. I just want to finish Tilly. Please okay. finish Tilly. All right. So I've said there's something about Tilly more than once in this episode, in the, since we've been discussing it. Right. So I went back and I was trying to find things to back myself up. Okay. Cause it's like, she shows up, says some stuff and sets characters into motion. Right. So in the, in episode one, the most I could really figure out, she's just doing that crazy rain dance looking like, you know, a mental patient on top of a, a mountaintop, right? Well, anyways, episode two, um, she soothes a, an hysterical Julie and she's putting on her, putting her hands on Julie. And I don't know if she's like just trying to make Julie, I, I'm just assuming she's comforting her, right? Episode three, she comes into the, the hospital Jim's on the chair, right? And she's looking for Christy. And she says, you're the guy that was stuck under the house, you know, with brick. And she talks about racetracks. We're thinking that we're going to get some information. But she tells, she gives Jim a piece of information. Did you know that Christy's fiance showed up on the bus, right? And Jim's like, that's some crazy info, right? In the next episode, episode four, she meets Boyd. And then she's like, you know, you had an adventure, right? And then he tells he tells him that Kenny's headed toward the, um, the hospital, right? She gives him information about other people. He, she sets him into motion. This one was the weirdest yet. She brings in the morphine. She apologizes for interrupting the, the afternoon and then alerts them about Sarah. Like she's like a gossip, but her gossip is very intentional and she gets them moving, right? Because then, you know, Christy's like, I got to get out of there. Okay. <sighs> There's something about Tilly. It's not just some busybody older lady there's something about her i don't think she has cancer i think she's in there to take marielle out of the picture knowing that marielle is an addict she okay. doesn't need that there's more to this picture that's all i want to say all right then we go back to boyd stepping into the diner right the second he steps in there, candy colored clown starts playing Roy Orbison, right? And the song. Here, I have the lyrics. Right? And it's in dreams, I talk with you. In dreams, I walk with you, right? So it goes through a montage. We start with Boyd in the diner. Then we go to Christy putting on the t-shirt, looking at herself in the mirror with the haircut and Christy becoming herself. Maybe the whole point was for Marielle to bring that t-shirt to her. Maybe there's something about Gearheart trucking 
I don't know. There's maybe there's just something where Christy has to return to herself. Then Marielle with the morphine, that morphine's going to take her down. Ethan is playing with the blocks again. So somehow the blocks end up back at the house. Or maybe she didn't bring them out. Maybe she just set them up. I don't know. But the blocks, he's playing with the blocks. And there comes Sarah walking down the street, presumably back from the diner. And this was the line. This was the line. But just before the dawn, I wake and I find you gone. I can't help. Can't help it. I can't help. If I cry, remember that you say he goodbye. Cry. Right. And Deeth, Ethan's giving her the stink eye, but she starts to smile at him. Why would she smile at him? Like, other than the original Sarah being on the surface or being like, oh, there's a little boy that I like, you know? But mm-hmm. she starts to smile. He gives her the stink eye, and then she's just frowns and continues walking. Then there's Randall whittling on top of the bus. Then we're back to Boyd. Mrs. Lou comes in and he says, hi, I was hoping we could talk. And I I just, I felt like there was something about that line. I know it, it sounds innocuous. Everything's innocuous. But it's not. It's just not. Well, we'll have to find out. I mean, no, I know it, it. It just it felt like that line was heavier than just saying, you know, because how often do you and I call each other, you know, and we need exactly to, right, right. There's and usually if one of us is saying that, we have big news for the other one, right. Do you have so, any other notes, my dear? That was it. That nails all of them. All right. One piece of feedback from Steve. So let's hear what he has to say. And I think this is about episode three. I'm not sure. All right. Here we go. What WTF is from. Uh, this is Steve. And here's episode three. Ellis always had this crazy necklace around his neck. Or is this a first we've seen? This pendant or whatever it is. Oh, Boyd is back. And he is uh, serious to this guy. Yeah, if you want to <laughs> you take your rifle out in the woods and see how long you last. If you want a roof. You follow my rules. All mothers help together. Mm. Wait a minute. Music coming from somewhere. She's impaled to the tree. Oh, and she's alive. Um, Jade, I think this is Victor's home. Okay, this isn't Sarah. This is Kelly. This is one of the people from the bus. Gotcha. <laughs> you ask a lot of questions. Don't remember the father's name. I don't know why it's escaping me, but he's getting a whole lot of information all of a sudden. Have we heard this before about people having dreams, premonitions, and nightmares and visions, but not everybody having them? I don't know. Fatima's telling this kid this, and I don't know. I don't remember. Wow, this is a very tense dilemma. And is that is it a branch, or is it some kind of a spike that's through her head? Because maybe they could cut it and move her? I don't know. Okay, I think now we know why Kenny is always in pants that are too short for him. Uh, or too long for them because they just have to go through this old clothes to get something to wear. Oh, creepy children vision. That's not a good thing. Well, I don't know who this actress is, but the screaming is like, she sounds really real. Like, and I can't believe Boyd's about to pull this thing out. Oh, he just set up the same puzzle that she knocked over in the cave. And there's the creepy kids again. Ugh. 
Thank you so much, Steve. Um, I know you have some more feedback from another listener. Liz- yeah. Um, all right. So then uh, there's an email from Taryn Matharu, and it's a fan theory. Hi, guys. First off, I just want to say that I watch all the cast interviews, listen to all the podcasts, and your podcast is absolutely my favorite by far. Well, we think so, too. (laughs) Thank you so much for saying that. That really makes us happy um, because we want to have a good podcast. My name is Taryn Matharu, and I'm an author by trade. Ooh, I'm not an author by trade, but I am an author. And I've been obsessed with From since it came out. I was wondering if you guys were at all interested in doing the occasional fan theory episode. I think we probably should. We have talked about it. Um, I'd love to talk about a theory I have just for fun. Um, And there's a link from Reddit, which I am so not a Reddit person. I don't get it. Um, but he sends us this link and it's called a witch's deal with the devil in the age of discovery to save her twins. And he says, no worries. If not, I just wanted to say, keep up the good work. Watching your episode breakdowns is one of my fave things to do. Each time an episode airs, you guys rock best witches. Taryn, that was really a nice email to get. And that's all I have. Um, Oh, I thought I sent you a, uh, the oh. points one. Oh, let me see. Did you send it? Let me go on to the, my, on Facebook. Messenger. Oh, on Facebook. Let me see. I'll go there right now. I think it was Maureen. I think her name was Maureen. That's ringing a bell. I do believe you did. And I just have to scroll a minute if that's okay. So that being said, folks. Um, oh, here it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did want to talk about this. Um. So M- Maureen wrote to us. Um. Alex and Wizzy, Wizzy, Wizzy said she didn't post this week's podcast episode, which maybe we just crossed paths. Hope you're good with me putting this question request under the interview post, hoping you can clarify the maths, which tells me she could be from Europe. Uh, we don't know the starting population, so going with additions and subtractions. Episode one and two lost the Pratt family, which is negative three, gained the Matthews family which is positive four positive one um not going to count toby because well we know all right oh but that we need to add jade to that so that's a positive two so clinic minus two um then few episodes later nathan negative one sarah hasn't really been in town so their house should be available right and then episode eight, they said negative 14 people lost the night of the colony uh, massacre. Then Eric suicide at uh, Boyd's office. The bus, bus brings in 21, but I thought the number was 22. Um, and I don't know how many died in addition to two in Jim's house, but two on the bus, two Kelly and boyfriend, minus 27, plus 26. But not sure I'm missing. Um, I think I'd have to sit and go by this uh, map, go the math. But the thing about it is like, especially in this last episode, we're seeing a lot of people that right. we 
necessarily interact with walking around. Um, and then in previous episodes, we are, you know, there's background people. There's a lot of background people that they have walking down the, up and down the streets. So we don't have a good count of how many people are in the town at all. But it is interesting, Maureen, to kind of keep a tally of these things that are going on with the population. So anyway, that's all I have. Okay. Uh, and, and folks, uh, again, if you could subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube uh, channel, we're trying to get a thousand subscribers on our YouTube channel. If you could help us in any way, shape or form by just clicking on that, uh, we'd really appreciate it because it could really help uh, find our podcast. I mean, our YouTube channel a little bit easier. And again, if you want to give us a review, we'd love five-star reviews. Um, it, it, it just really helps find us. And I know there's, we're the only one really podcasting on it. There are some other people that are covering it, but we're the only ones I think exclusively podcasting on it. Or breaking right. down the episodes really. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, we're just from, that's all we, we're, we're just from. Uh, we're from that said next week, we're going to be looking at season two, episode six. Do. How do you say that? Right. Do. Exactly. Do. 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 And, and bring it back to the music box. Um, and folks, you know, if you want to leave feedback, you always are welcome to. You can go to podcastica.com. Uh, you can check out some of the other shows. They're they're just starting up the power. Uh, we they're still doing uh, Mrs. Maisel. I know we're going to be starting some Walking Dead stuff uh, with New City. So there's there's a whole bunch Dead of City. Dead City. Yeah. Sorry. Dead, yeah. No. No. I appreciate you clarifying <laughs> that. Um, and and like I said, uh, there's a lot of great stuff on there. And and if you have a chance, why don't you try to take a look at uh, it's a fandom thing um, podcast. We were on there uh, last night, and Aaron is a trip. She yeah, kind of she kind of let us uh, hijack her hour, or I should say, I hijacked her hour because uh, I never overtalk anybody. And, you know, she, she's great and she does a lot of different um, stuff. Uh, tonight, when this airs, uh, I'm going to be doing Yellow Jackets after show. So I've got uh, Sydney and our Sir Rennie with me. And we've got this episode and next week. And then that is done um, for the season. So a lot of great TV going on. And, and yes, despite the uh, person to my right, probably your left, I will have the Etsy shop up this week and we will have that in the uh, Instagram and, and um, as well as uh, TikTok and all that good stuff. And I'll probably make a post on it as well. Cause I've, we're going to try to make some of the uh, Sunday, is Sunday is from day and you'll be able to get that. You'll be able to get that. You'll be able to get a all family of bracelet with your name on it. If you want or a character name, or a from bracelet where you're from, but when you ended up in from. And hopefully the uh, the male podcast host will get his act together to get that all straightened out this week. And it will be. No, it will be. It's just uh, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a delay. But anyway, I want to thank you, Lizzie. And I also want to, again, thank Sam from Boston for pledging his support. And her. Her. It's Samantha. Oh, so was Sam.
I know. I mean, it does feel nice to be believed in. It's also it, nice that people actually do listen and leave comments, which they've been doing all this whole time. So stay safe together. And Ian, take us away. Get you home. Let's go. Come on, get in your house. Let's go. Come on. <laughs>